This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. The International Consortium of Investigative Journalists just released the results of what is considered to be the largest investigation in journalism history. The Pandora Papers consist of about 12 million internal documents from 14 different law firms and other companies that set up offshore bank accounts, trusts and holdings. In addition to the dozens of world leaders, politicians and celebrities that are named, the Pandora Papers also sheds light on the United States as a growing offshore haven. According to the ICIJ, 206 U.S.-based trusts linked to 41 countries holding combined assets worth more than a billion dollars. Nearly 30 of the trusts held assets connected to people or companies accused of fraud, bribery or human rights abuses in some of the world's most vulnerable communities. My guest is Chuck Collins, senior scholar at the Institute for Policy Studies, where he directs the program on inequality and the common good. His books include 99 to 1, How Wealth Inequality is Wrecking the World and What We Can Do About It, and Born on Third Base, a one percenter makes the case for tackling inequality, bringing wealth home and committing to the common good. He advised numerous journalists working on the Pandora Papers. He's also a frequent guest on our program. Welcome back, Chuck. Hey, great to be with you, Sonali. So the Pandora Papers follows the Panama Papers. There have been other troves of similar documents released by the and analyzed and published by the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. How is the Pandora Papers different? Is it mainly the scope and the size of the leak? It's a much bigger leak. Um, you may remember the Panama Papers was just one law firm in Panama that was involved in creating shell corporations. Uh, the data for the Pandora uh, Papers leaks comes from 14 different wealth management firms uh, from 12 different countries. So it's a bigger pool of data. Um, in some ways, it's similar to the Panama Papers. It names names. It implicates politicians. Uh, you know, governments were, will fall because of the, the Pandora Papers. But the, but the development that's uh, important that you point out is it reveals that the United States is a tax haven. Uh, you know, the United States likes to think that tax havens are little Caribbean islands, you know, like the Cayman Islands or principalities like Monaco. But in fact, now the world knows the secret. The U.S. is one of the biggest tax havens in the world. South Dakota in particular is named um, and there's been uh, some detailed research about it. Um, and there are other states as well, Texas and Florida. What exactly are these U.S. states doing? And these are individual states being um, criminals. Well, um, you know, par partly because I, I wrote this book, The Wealth Hoarders, about sort of how the hidden wealth systems work. I've been trying to explain this to international reporters who are like, how is it that these the states have so much autonomy? But that's just part of it. We have this federalist system where states really govern things like trust law, corporate law, corporate incorporation rules. And so you can have a small state like South Dakota that in an effort to attract industry, finance industries, trust industries, will literally change their laws to accommodate the interests of that industry. And so in the case of the trust industry, South Dakota morphed its trust laws to eliminate uh, short-term trusts and basically allow people to park uh, billions of dollars for centuries, what we call dynasty trusts. 
And that's basically the pattern, Sonali. Small states that sort of sell off their sovereignty, change their laws to attract big money and big investments uh, in, their, in their local economies. And so, of course, the main moral of the story is that this is money that gets hidden from taxation. And taxation is what fuels and funds the common good, things, the infrastructure, the things that we all rely on. Um, is, is it fair to say that there is plenty of money for all of the social services that uh, human beings need around the world? A lot of it is simply out of reach of taxation because of these offshore havens? Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say that th this is the hidden wealth of the world. The estimates are that between 26 and $36 trillion is hidden in this offshore system by the super wealthy. So those are the unbuilt hospitals. Those are the underfunded classrooms. Those are the potholes and failing infrastructure of the world. The wealth of the world has been siphoned away and sequestered into these offshore tax havens, including the United States. And so it's, you know, we really can't say there's no money when, when governments come together and say, oh, you know, there's no money to fund, you know, childcare. There's no money for green transit. There's no money for whatever. That's, this is where the great lie is revealed, which is there is huge amounts of wealth hidden uh, beyond the reach of tax authorities, beyond the reach of governments. Who are some of the notable figures here? Um, I understand that there aren't as many Americans as we might imagine, uh, because these are primarily international actors and law firms representing uh, the, the, whose documents were revealed were primarily working with non-U.S. clients. Yeah, so that's exactly right. Now, it's disappointing because uh, it would be great if if there was a leak coming from a U.S. trust company or a U.S. Uh, uh, service provider to these super wealthy. Uh, and it sort of reinforces the uh, stereotype that this is not a US problem. Um, this is a huge story in other parts of the world. I mean, Mexico alone, uh, there are 3000 uh, politicians and wealthy individuals, many members of the Mexican elite who are implicated in these transactions. It's because they use these service firms in Belize and the British Virgin Islands and the other. Um, you know, caught up in the web, you know, King, King uh, Abdul II from Jordan, uh, Tony Blair, uh, Shakira. There are a number of sort of well-known, I, I, I like to say, tips don't lie when it comes to Shakira. So uh, <laughs> data, data leaks have told the truth. Um, but, you know, the, the, this is the, uh, uh, the, the, the nature of it is these are important heads of state, both sitting and, uh, and, and former public officials who are using this hidden wealth system to siphon money out of their home countries, in some cases, parking it in the United States. So here you have a situation where in order to crack down on offshore havens, you need the leadership of politicians who are themselves, in many cases, taking advantage of and using these offshore havens to hide their billions. So that's a pretty difficult situation. They don't have any interest to crack down, do they? That's exactly right. And actually, Ger Gerald Ryle, the, the head of the uh, International Consortium of Investigative Journalists, said it poetically. It's a, you know, it's 
the, the if the politicians are using the system, they're not going to be the ones to change it. Uh, so we they have to be voted out, they have to be removed, they have to be whatever retired, uh, so that political systems, governance systems can uh, shut down this hidden wealth system. I mean, just to be clear, there are so many harms. You and I talked about the fact that it's taking tax dollars away from local communities. It's also coddling demo, you know, deadbeats and criminals from around the world. People are, are able to steal money from the public treasury in many countries and siphon it out. And it fuels economic inequality and the racial wealth divide here in the US and globally. You know, certain families are using these secret trusts and anonymous shell companies to pile up extraordinary amounts of wealth that they will use to shape the rules, shape the economy, buy the media, dominate our political and social lives. And also, That's of course, uh, they also use it to extend the, the sort of dynastic wealth, right? Those who there's, there's some instances of or probably many instances where these um, wealthy elites with their ill-gotten gains are, are hiding the money in trusts under their children's name, which ensures their children um, you know, get placed into the best jobs or universities, uh, never have to worry about where they would find the money to buy their first, second or third home. Yeah, I mean, the, the word dynasty is key here. This is about how do wealthy people create multi-generational control over vast amounts of wealth? And they do it by avoiding taxation, dodging taxes. They do it by accumulating the wealth in these trusts and shell companies that gets passed on. And it's in states like South Dakota, it's not the children and the grandchildren. It is, you know, way, you know, we're talking maybe centuries forward. We're essentially refeudalizing the United States. The United States never had a feudalism like Europe, but, you know, some of these rules that were put in place to limit the lifespan of trusts were a reaction to feudalism. And here, politicians in the US are basically saying, we're gonna allow for the creation of dynastic wealth in the United States. So how does the revelation around US states as off offshore tax havens, how can that be something that can be acted upon? President Joe Biden said he wanted to crack down on offshore tax havens. He wasn't necessarily referring to the United States, but here we are where now it's been very clearly exposed how states like South Dakota, Florida, and Texas are themselves offering a haven for um, ill-gotten dollars by wealthy elites elsewhere. Biden could show that he's sincere in, in cracking down on those. Couldn't he? Or is it that he, you know, because these are state-written tax laws, it's out of his reach? You know, this is a global embarrassment. And I think it's also an opportunity for President Biden and, and other leaders to basically say, the United States needs to get its own house in order. We need to shut down the internal tax havens in the United States. If we want to, um, you know, he, here we have President, Vice President Kamala Harris, you know, lecturing Latin American countries about corruption. But we have to get, if we want to have any moral authority or standing in the world on that topic, we need to get our own house in order. Now, it is true, it's going to be hard to change these individual state laws. That's why one of the solutions is to pass overriding federal legislation. Uh, Congress actually did it less than a year ago. We passed something 
called the Corporate Transparency Act at the end of the year. Trump signed it into law as he was leaving. And it basically requires limited liability companies to report who their real beneficial owners are to the Treasury Department, to law enforcement. Um, so we can build on that to say, well, trusts should not live forever. Trusts with assets over a million dollars should be registered and should require disclosure of beneficial ownership. Certain kinds of trusts that rich people use to just dodge taxes should be abolished and outlawed. Um, and we need to rebuild the, and one thing Joe Biden can do and we can do is we can rebuild the oversight capacity of the Internal Revenue Service to monitor the shell games of the super rich. Uh, the IRS has been decimated in its ability to follow the money uh, of rich uh, investors and rich taxpayers. And so we need to rebuild the oversight capacity of the IRS. So those are things that the US should do to get its house in order. And then we should join the rest of the world in treaties and in transparency agreements and reciprocal disclosure agreements to, to uh, clamp down on the system, change the system overall. So uh, South Dakota's um, firms, one of them being the South Dakota Trust Company, has clients from 54 countries. Uh, the assets in trust in South Dakota are now $360 billion. Does any of that benefit South Dakotans? Uh, you know, and, and if not, that could be a great talking point for you know local leaders looking to oust uh, those republicans and they happen to be republicans i understand who have allowed you know the, the their state to turn into a tax haven right yeah the the uh, and actually the, the number is closer to 500 billion that we know about but wow. i think the amount of money and trusts is is probably trillions of dollars uh, when we when if we fully got the information um, Here's the thing, in, in a small state like South Dakota, 500 people working in the trust industry may not seem like a lot of people, but it's a lot of good paying jobs in South Dakota. And so part of the politics of South Dakota is you have a small but uh, uh, influential lobby group. So the state of South Dakota literally has a task force uh, made up of trust industry people who every year sit down and, with the governor and talk about how do they keep how do they make sure South Dakota's trust laws remain competitive, competing with Nevada or Wyoming or Florida? So the very people the benefiting financially from this are helping write the policy are in the room where the policy yeah. is written and influencing and, and this is a, policymakers? And people say, isn't this all wow. legal? But you have to understand the wealth defense industry is writing the rules. They're literally sitting with the governor of South Dakota and making sure that South Dakota is still the best place to park your money in a dynasty trust. So South Dakota is not gonna be the locus of change. Uh, people in South Dakota may, may not benefit, but they benefit from the fact that there are 500 people with good jobs who pay taxes and, and live in their communities. That's probably the, benef the main financial benefit, but that's not a significant, it's not insignificant in a small and relatively impoverished state. Um, it's gonna, the change, the locus for change is gonna come from outside South Dakota. I understand that another American aspect to the Pandora Papers story is how a Catholic order fought sex abuse claims at the same time that there were secret trusts um, that were being built where millions of dollars were poured into American rental properties. 
Um, can you give me a sense of what this means? I mean, basically, are these um, tax havens, these trusts, protecting or setting aside funding to to defend uh, priests that have been accused of abuse? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I don't know all the details of the story, but uh, but it's it's a familiar pattern, which is when there is scrutiny, when law enforcement is closing in on the activities, whether it's the Catholic Church or a, a criminal corporation, uh, the leadership will move money to the shadows. They'll move it into anonymous real estate trusts. They'll move it into shell companies. They may move it offshore. Uh, you know, there's just unfortunately lots and lots of examples where this hidden wealth system coddles criminals, coddles bad behavior, and keeps individuals and corporations from being held to account for their behavior. So one of the reasons why we shouldn't have anonymous shell companies, we shouldn't have anonymously owned real estate, is because it 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 uh, you know allows criminal elements and bad actors to thrive. Finally, Chuck, what do you think is gonna come of the Pandora Papers? Uh, the Panama Papers, which were just uh, documents from one firm, you know, made a, a small splash. We covered it on our show, but you know, obviously not uh, big enough repercussions. But after the Pandora Papers investigations were released, I understand that officials in countries like Pakistan and Mexico, Spain, Brazil, Sri Lanka, Australia and Panama have promised inquiries at the very least. And there have been a lot of watchdog groups now that are able to take this information and hold the feet of the powerful to the fire. Do you have any hope that uh, some change will come of this? Because ultimately, that's what journalism is about, right? Like changing the power dynamic. Yeah, and I, I, I do have uh, confidence and, and, and a lot of hope that this will make a big difference because it already is. It's shaking things up. Uh, it's mostly outside the United States. We, you know, we're very, in the US, we're very distracted. We're, we're all focused on Facebook shutting down for eight hours and you know, <laughs> can, can the Congress raise the debt ceiling? I mean, we have lots of really important things to think about here, but the reality is the rest of the world is going to be putting pressure on the United States to shut down tax haven USA. And then those of us in states that don't sell our, you know, trust law to uh, billionaires should be pushing other states to clean up their acts. So the pressure is on, the heat is on, and uh, the appetite for reform continues to grow. Well, Chuck, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. We'll post a link to the work that you do at the Institute for Policy Studies in Equality.org and also directly to the Institute uh, for the International Consortium for Investigative Journalism's uh, Pandora right. Papers. Thank you so much, Chuck. Thank you, Sonali. My guest has been Chuck Collins, senior scholar at the Institute for Policy Studies, where he directs the program on inequality and the common good. He advised numerous journalists working on the Pandora Papers, which we've just been discussing. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com, by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.